this morning who uh, it's as though your hands are gripped around the past and maybe that's something that you've been through or an event that's happened um, and the Lord would say to you this morning that while your hand is gripped around whatever that is, whatever that was in the past, he knows what it is. And the pain is so deep. And the seer goes so far that you struggle even to communicate and it gets frustrating when you try to explain to your loved ones what it was like or you're trying to offload to people, maybe even pastor, because it's so hard for you to communicate how deep that pain was. And God wants to let you know this morning that he knows what it felt like. That he knows what your emotions are and were. And he knows exactly pinpoint how you felt. He knows. And the Lord wants to ask you a question this morning though. Is that why your hands are so tightly gripped around yesterday? How can you open them to receive the blessing of today? If your hands are so tightly gripped around the pain of yesterday, how can you open your hands to receive his blessing today? And some things can be let go of in a minute. But God also knows that sometimes letting go of some things is a process and it takes time. And the Lord said he is patient with you and that he loves you and that he is inviting you this morning to come on the journey of beginning to let go of yesterday, that your hands may become open to receive his blessing today. I want to say something as well just before we start the message. Um, if, if, uh, if you don't know me, my name's Jordan and I, I serve on, on youth team here. Um, and I've been away for, for six weeks. Some of you maybe know, some of you maybe don't know. I've been on a Bible college placement um, in Scotland to a church I used to be on staff at about two years ago. Um, and it was, it was a fantastic time and, and it was brilliant. Um, and as you can see, I brought the weather with me. Um, it, was, it was in the middle of a heat wave. We went on a youth trip yesterday and of course, um, it absolutely lashed in Port Rush. But I, I just want to make this observation um, from being away. And sometimes going away from your normal sort of uh, process of life helps you get some perspective on things. And um, as I was over there and I was thinking about you and I was praying for church and all those different things, um, I think sometimes when things are said, it's important to take a stop and just to reflect on our journey. We are a church, and you've seen it this morning, where the prophetic, which basically means when God speaks through people, is quite common here. In fact, it's normal. But I want to let you know something. That's actually not normal. There is a flow here of his presence. There is a flow of the prophetic. It is normal for us now to experience somebody giving a message in tongues, which is a supernatural thing, and then someone to not translate it, but to interpret it into English so that the church can understand what God is saying. And I want us to catch the grasp of this this morning, is that while this is familiar and while this is normal for us and that's a good thing, let's never lose the preciousness of it. Because I have grown up in church. I have uh, worked in church. I have done church, 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 church my whole life. But I have never seen anything as consistent as this before. I have been in church where we have had seasons of this and we have had times of this. But from literally from the word go when we started as a church, it has been consistent the way through. And that's not normal. And it's not to puff us up, but it's actually to say, thank you, Father, that you would choose to speak to us in this way. Thank you, Father, that you would choose to pour out your spirit. Thank you, Father, that you would choose to pour out your words and your encouragement on us. Never lose the preciousness of when God speaks to us like that. Never lose the preciousness and the value of prophetic. Never lose it. Let's value it. It's normal for us, praise God. What I'm excited about is that we have young people, and many of them are on holiday at the minute, but we have young people who have got saved, who are coming through church, where this is the norm for them. I don't know about you, but this wasn't always, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, but this consistency was not always the norm. And for you, maybe the consistency in God speaking to us like this was maybe not the norm, but there are young people now being brought up as an East Point generation where this is just normal. This is just church. I think that's amazing. Where actually, it's odd if God doesn't speak like that. 
And so that's encouraging. And the next thing I want to say, and then we'll actually get on to our message, is that I have been listening back to some of the messages and things when I was in, on the way to church in the car in Scotland. I would listen to the messages in these points to make sure I wasn't missing out. And by the way, Dinky, I don't know if he's in, is he? That was a fantastic message, by the way, the other day. Really, really great. Um, but there was one, David Dixon, who was a guest speaker, preached an absolute storm as well. But there was a wee lady from Africa called Anita. If for those of you who are you maybe remember her. And if you, if, if you don't, you can catch it up on the podcast. But... Um, she said this, and I'm going to read it, because, and that's what, I, that's what I mean when I say that when God speaks in the prophetic and God speaks in the supernatural and God moves in this way, sometimes it becomes familiar and we say, yes, Lord, that was lovely, and we move on to the next thing, which isn't a problem, but sometimes it's important to actually press pause and to consider again what he said, okay? And this lady, just to give you a bit of background, um, when it comes to prophecy, it's not just a free-for-all. It's people who you know, are trusted, who are proven in their ability to, to have a gift in this way. And so when it was given, it's a trusted source, by the way, before I read this. Um, but I want us to pause and to think what was said. And I think it's important to do this. And this is what she said. Listen carefully to me. God is pleased with you. This is a lady from Africa. She is not part of our context here in Northern Ireland. I just want you to understand I don't get this message very often. See what I was saying about the norm, how this isn't always normal. I had to ask God again, is that you? He said, yes. And this morning and during the few days we've been here, he has demonstrated it to me. The people here, you carry the heart of Jesus. I don't know what you think, but I have traveled. I have been to church, churches of thousands I haven't seen a congregation carrying the heart of Jesus like this. When I hug you, I feel his presence. Don't see yourself anything less. It is time to rise up and sit in heavenly places with the King of Kings. I just want to tell you that he's pleased with you. And here's the main bit. He's going to do something new here. There's going to be a move you've never seen before. He's hand-picked, I thought that word was important, he has hand-picked this church to do something in Ireland. It's not just north, it's everywhere. He has hand-picked this church to do something in Ireland. It's not just the north, it's everywhere. So get ready. Just get ready. Leave everything from the past and look to him. Each one of you will carry his presence. I will remind you of this often. And I will tell you this again in five years. And I will still be banging on about it in 10 years. And I will still be banging on about it in 15 years. Because it's important that when God speaks, there's a word in scripture and it says, you know, you always see it in the Psalms, the Proverbs, and it'll say, listen. But what that word in Hebrew is actually means shema. So when it says listen, it means also obey. Not just to hear, it means listen and obey. And I think it's important that we have an attitude of shema when it comes to the prophetic in church. When God speaks, that we just don't go, that's amazing, and be quick to move on. But I see we sit, we pause, and we breathe it in. God is going to use you throughout the nation and throughout the island. And it's important to hold on to that in the days of small beginnings. That when God speaks, that you listen carefully to what he's saying to us. And that word was not that uh, Pastor Stephen, I can say this because he's my dad, will be used in Ireland and all, and all the nation. He didn't say that only the communicators in the house will touch Ireland and all the nation. He said the church, which means every single person sitting in the seats here. And we'll get to this later. The best way to be a part of something big in the kingdom, the best way to be a part of something big in the kingdom for everybody is to be a part of something bigger than yourself. The biggest way to be a part of something bigger, big, something big in the kingdom, something great in the kingdom, is to be a part of something greater than yourself. Welcome to East Point. Welcome to East Point. Let's pray and we'll come to the message. Sorry, that was a long introduction. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word, Lord. And I pray, Father, that as we read God, the revelation, Holy Spirit, would begin to open up to our hearts. That, God, this is just not a segment in the meeting to fill time, but, God, this is a moment where you want to speak to us. Father, this is a moment where your word is powerful and your word does bring revelation to our hearts. And so, Father, we open our hearts, we open our minds to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Mark, thank you so much. Well, folks, are we well? Excellent. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, if you don't, don't worry, we'll have it on the screen. It's uh, from Psalm 92, verses 12 to 14 today. That is our scripture that we're going to look at. And I'll break down how we're going to do this. So what we'll do is we'll break down Psalm 92, 12 to 14, really quickly. It's going to be like a lightning Bible study, and then we're going to move on to how we're going to apply that to our lives. So Psalm 92, verse 12 to 14, the righteous will flourish. Everybody say flourish. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow, everybody say grow, like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted, everybody say planted, in the house of the Lord. I love this, I feel like I'm back teaching again. They will flourish in the courts of our God. So we're going to do that again. The righteous will, like a palm tree, they will, like a cedar of Lebanon, go again, in the house of the Lord. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. This is my question for you this morning. Do you want to flourish? Yes. Talk about your life. Yes. Do you want to grow? Yes. But the key to that, and the thing that this whole message hinges on, is that you have to be planted. That's the revelation of the word this morning. Simple as that. If you want to flourish, if you want to grow, you have to be planted in God's house. That's the design of God. That's the design of the kingdom. If I want to flourish, if I want to grow, that is the design of God in my life, that I would be planted and committed and driven deep into God's house. In the Old Testament, God's house usually, normally, and the general principle in Scripture would usually be that that is um, the temple today we are the temple of God and we are the church. So we interpret that that when it says be planted in the house of the Lord, it means be planted in the local church. That's what it means from the New Testament perspective. Be planted in your local church. And so we're going to break this down real quick. Next slide for me there, lads. Is the meaning of this scripture super duper quick. So the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. So we're going to take those two phrases, okay? And it's important sometimes when we're looking at scripture to um, to think sometimes about the cultural sayings and colloquialisms like we have in Northern Ireland. So if somebody came to you and tapped you on the shoulder and said, I feel the Lord is going to say that you're going to flourish like a palm tree, you'll be like, you're a weirdo, right? What is it? Why would I flourish like a palm tree? Okay. So in Northern Ireland, we have our own cultural sayings and colloquialisms. And this is important sometimes when we're looking at things like the Psalms and the Proverbs because it's, it's almost like, not slang, but it's like sayings and phrases. That's how the Hebrew language is written, and, which is the original language of the Bible in different parts. And so if I was to say to you, you know, what's the crack, okay? You know that that means what's going on, how's it going, how are you? If I was to say, and forgive me for this this morning, that um, that fellow is a prune, okay? I don't literally mean that he is a prune, okay? I mean that his behavior is undesirable, okay? If I said, you're a prune, okay? And when they say that you will flourish like a palm tree, they do not literally mean a palm tree, okay? Or a setter of Lebanon, which is a tree, by the way. Okay, type of tree is a setter. But what that is actually meaning is, okay, so flourish in the Hebrew is yipra, okay, I think we'll have it on the screen there, is yipra, okay, and the word flourish basically means if you take it out of the original word, because here's, and I'll, I'm going off on a tangent here, but see the way the Hebrew language is written, just like, you know, Spanish and French and German, but the Hebrews have a thing about, like, one word means so many different things, okay, usually we have one word and it usually has one meaning, but in Hebrew, there's so much meaning packed into just one word. So the word for flourish is yipra, everybody say yipra. Okay. And basically what that means is abundant growth, exponential growth. And it's this picture of like a, sh- a shoot breaking through the soil. Okay. That's the picture it gives. It's just this explosive blossoming and flourishing. And a palm tree, when that says that, what that really means is, is that you're durable, that you can stand in storms. Because a palm tree, ever see it in the news, like especially in the States and stuff, when there's been like a hurricane and things, and there, I mean, there's buildings and houses flying past the lens of the camera, but the palm trees somehow manage, most of them, to stay rooted, although they're being blown about. And what that's saying there is that you will flourish, that you will expand your ability, that you will blossom in your capacity to stand through storms. That's what that word means that you will be able to withstand the storms of life, not that the storms of life won't come, not that you may not feel battered about, but that you would be rooted deep in God. And grow in the Hebrew is the word yeske, 
okay? And what that means is increase, expanding, okay? It's like that literal picture of something growing, of increasing in its space, of expanding out. And when it says setter of Lebanon, so you may be seeing in the book of Kings, in the book of Samuel, that setter wood from setter trees were used for the temple. They were used for the king's palace. In other words, that you will grow and you will expand in your capacity and your ability and your purpose to be used for kingly purposes. So just like the setter wood was used to build the temple of God, isn't that significance? Just like the temple was used to build God's house, just like the temple was used for kingly purposes, when you plant yourself in God, you too will grow in your ability to be used for kingly purposes. That's what that word means. You will grow in your capacity. You will grow in your purpose to be used for godly things, for godly purpose. If, 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 and this is the whole hinge of the message this morning, if you're planted in the house of God, if you're planted in the house of God, the key to flourish, the key to grow is to plant yourself in God's house. And this is what being planted in God's house, the church, this is what being planted in East Point looks like. And maybe you're a visitor this morning and you've genuinely just come to visit this morning. This is what being planted in your house looks like. It means being in one place. I was doing a wee bit of research and looking into seeds and how they grow. And basically what happens is when the roots grow out, they grow deep, they grow wide, and they grow up to become the plant. But where the seed was planted, that's exactly where it stays. So it grows out, it grows up, but where the seed, where the plant was originally put and planted, it stays there. And so can I maybe have a hand lifting this over today? Some of you are wondering why I had soil in my hands this morning. It's because I love you and I'll do illustrations for you, okay? Here we go. So, I usually borrow stuff from John Laurie and I think he's sick of me asking him for random items. Anyway, so... Our seed is a bit like our lives, okay? Most of you can't see it from the back, but that's exactly what life is like, especially when we come into faith. It's small, but it's full of life. It's packed with potential to be something incredible in God. But it starts off like this. And maybe that's a bit like the life of our church this morning. The day of small beginnings, but it's packed of life and it's packed of potential, okay? But sometimes believers can have, and I've seen it growing up, have ha- can have this sort of habit of doing this, okay? So if the plant pots, first of all, represent different churches to us this morning, and what can happen is I will put myself in, in this plant pot because the worship there is amazing, it's fantastic. But eventually, do you know what? I, f- I feel like it's time to move on. My emotions are telling me to move on. So, do you know what? I'll go here because the teaching's brilliant. It's first class. But then when my emotions tell me, oh, it's time to move on, it's time to move on. So I'll go here because the facilities here are amazing for my family. And so we'll go here. And what happens is, for believers who keep moving about the different houses of God and keep moving about the different plant pots, they get all the best soil, they get all the best of everything, but they never get planted. And they'll have the best of this church, and they'll have the best of that church, and they'll have the best of this church, but the believer never actually grows. The believer never actually flourishes. Because God's design is that we would not be constantly on the move. God's design for your life is that you would be planted in one house. Planted in one community of faith. Now when I say that, I say you dare not ever visit another church. That's not what I mean, okay? Or that you never go to another event or anything like that. That is not the same thing, okay? What I'm saying is is that you are consistent in the house of God. That you are consistently planted with people. Plant yourself in the house, in the church that God has planted you. And saying yes to one house sometimes means saying no, although they're great and they're good, to other houses because God has designed us to be planted in one. Okay? So there we go. Bye-bye. Be planted means to stay. But here's the other thing about being planted, about being rooted in God's house. Being planted is a mindset. Okay, it's not just something practical where you say, I will commit to one house, I will commit to the church God that you have put me in, I will, I will invest myself, I will invest my time, I will invest my emotion, I will plant myself here where you have placed me. But it's not just about doing that practically, it's about a mindset as well. I was brought up in a market, uh, in a market town church in Weedramore, and I love it dearly, but sometimes, and I, I'm included in this because I had a habit of this as well, um, where people my age had this thing of, um, you know, grass is always greener syndrome? Well, there's always something out there that's better. There's always something out there that's more effective. 
there's always somewhere out there that I would rather be. And that may not always be actually done in your life physically, but it can be a mindset up here. And I'll tell you this, the mindset of the grass is always greener. You can't flourish and you can't grow. Because you might be planted because you're here, but you're not planted in your head and you're not planted in your heart. If you want to grow in your life, if you want to flourish, get rid of the grass is always greener mindset and plant yourself with your heart, your head, and physically by committing to the house of God. That's the revelation of Psalm 92 this morning. And the sad thing was that there are many who I still know who still have the grass is always greener mindset and they have remained in the same house where God has put them, but they haven't flourished and they haven't grown because they were so busy looking about what was around them that they didn't appreciate what God had put right in front of them. Appreciate and value and love and commit to the house where God has planted you. That is the key, and I'm going to keep using these words over and over again, the key to you growing in life, the key to you flourishing in the promise and the purpose of God for you, no matter what stage of life you're at, is to be planted. I can't make it any clearer. Be planted, okay? I could close now and pray, but I'm not. Be planted. Be planted. So practically then, we know that being planted means being in the one place where God has put us and has planted you. Not moving about, not taking on the mindset. Being planted is a mindset of moving about different places or thinking about the grass is always greener. Because I know I've said this before, but here's a, here's a warning, okay? If you find the perfect church with the perfect pastor and the perfect worship team and the perfect host team and the perfect everything, don't join it because you'll ruin it. Okay? There's no such thing, Okay? So be careful to be planted in your mindset and in your heart also. Be committed to where God, be committed to where God has placed you and where he is planting you. The next thing is this. So we know that we have to be planted in one place and we have to be planted in our mindset and committed in our hearts in order to grow and to flourish. But we also have to be careful what soil that we grow in, the soil that we are planted in, you know a plant's health and how healthy it will be by the quality of the soil that you put. And just like your life, you will know to the extent you will flourish and the extent that you will grow in Christ and grow in your ability to like all we talked about, like the palm tree and like the cedar root and be used of godly purposes according to the quality of the soil that you plant yourself in. And the three soils we're going to look at this morning is, and I'm going to mention a book here by a guy called Banning Leapster, okay, and he writes a fantastic book about being planted and being rooted in God's house, and if you'd like to, me to try and get you a copy, come and speak to me and we'll get it sorted. Um, just, just a wee, a wee inter, interjection there. But the three soils that I would suggest that we ought to plant ourselves in is this, first of all. If we want to grow, if we want to flourish, the soil that we need to plant ourselves in is intimacy, if you're taking notes, the soil I must plant myself in is intimacy, serving, and community. Intimacy, I must grow and plant myself in intimacy. I must grow and plant myself in serving, and I must grow and plant myself in community. Matthew 6, 6 says this, and this is the soil of community. So I'm going to get my soil, oh sorry, the soil of intimacy. I'm going to get my soil, and I'm going to pour it in. Okay, there we go. 499 B&Q, anybody who's interested. Okay. And I will take my life, which is my responsibility, and I will choose to plant it. Because I can be planted in God's house, but it's my responsibility to be planted in the right soil. Okay, so God has planted you in this house, but it is our responsibility. It's your responsibility for your life. It's my responsibility for my life to be planted in the right kind of soil. And the soil that I want to be planted in is intimacy. Okay, I want to be planted in intimacy. Matthew 6, 6 says this, but when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. God's desire for your life and my life is that you would know him more. That's the whole point of, of the gospel. That's the whole point of Christianity. That's the point of why we do this is that why we would know God more is that we would know Jesus more in an intimate and a near way that is very hard to express. And God's key, God's design for your life to flourish in it, to grow in it, to fulfill the purposes that he has for your life is that you would plant yourself and commit yourself to grow in the soil of intimacy with him. I love that scripture. It's from the, it's from the New King James Version actually. It says, pray to your father who is in the secret place 
So basically when it says sacred place, it means go on your own. The key to grow closer to Jesus, the key to grow closer to God and to know him is to close the door and spend time with him. But I love that scripture. The Father is in the secret place. In other words, he's waiting for you to come. And that's not just like a nice Christian thought. That's a theological principle that he is waiting in the secret place for you to come and to be drawn to him. He's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. I don't know about you, maybe you've ever had a, a, a moment and, um, or maybe I'd rather sit down and watch football. It's sometimes there's just this thing or this thing that comes in your heart. It could be, I don't know what it is you're doing, but you just know that God is saying, come, come closer. Can I say, if you ever feel that, never ignore it. No matter what you're doing, find a moment, find a space and listen to him, press into him. And the one thing about growing in intimacy with Jesus, which is key to overall flourishing and growing, there's one thing that you must give him when it comes to planting yourself in the soil of intimacy. And it is one of the most precious commodities that humans have. It is one of the most difficult things for us as people to let go of. The one thing that you must give God to know him more is your time. The one thing that you must give God in order to know him more and to grow and to flourish is your time. No other way around it. And when I give God my time, when I give God my space, I am open into a realm and into a place where I can know him deeper. When I press myself into God's word, and maybe, I don't know what stage of the journey you're on, I don't know how good, some, you know, some people are fantastic at sitting down and reading chapters, or if you're like me, sometimes I struggle, which is probably isn't the best thing for the Bible college student to say, but you'll understand. But see if you can read one verse, and that's enough for you to reflect on and think about at a time at the beginning, just do that. Every part of God's word is valuable. And then eventually build yourself up to see more of God's word and to press in the more of God's word. Some practical things for you in order to grow in the soil of intimacy is this. Like I said, pray. Seek God, okay? And sometimes seeking God, we feel like we always have to be the one talking. See if you have nothing to say. Here's the key, don't say anything. It's okay to be silent. Some say those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, not those who are chatterboxes and just talk for the sake of it. All right? Be willing to be quiet before God. If you have nothing to say, that's okay. Just wait on him and I promise, I promise, I promise. My favorite scripture, verse in the whole of scripture is this, Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's not a condition, that's a promise. If you seek me and you look for me, you'll find me. And he's waiting for you in the secret place. He's waiting for you already. Second thing is this, worship. See worship nights when we do the corporate worship nights. I've, I've missed the last couple, but people have been reporting back and apparently it's just been phenomenal, like just the way God has moved and the sense of his presence and the uniqueness of that. Throw yourself into worship. The theology of worship is this, and I'll remind you of this often. The Psalms say that he is enthroned on the praises of his people. In other words, he makes a throne out of the praises of his people. And so when you praise him, he comes and he sits. It's the theology of worship. When you worship him and pour out your heart to him, God's presence comes and he sits because that's what a throne's for. Press into prayer. Press into worship. Press into the soil of intimacy. That is the key, his point, for your growth and for your flourishing. Plant yourself in the soil of intimacy. The next soil is this. I'm going to get my soil bag again. Plant yourself in the soil of serving. Serving is a key soil if you want to flourish and if you want to grow. We are called to greatness. Do you believe that this morning, church? Listen carefully. You're called to greatness. Every single person in this room is called to be great. But I want to say this, is that greatness in popular culture is not always the greatness that the kingdom means. Greatness in popular culture today is not the kind of greatness that God always means. This is, whoever is the least among you is the greatest. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. But a context that verse, basically the disciples, they're squabbling and they're having it on, they're squaring up, they still are talking about who's going to be the greatest and who's going to be the best and who's going to get the big conference talks and who's going to get all this here. And Jesus steps in and he says, actually, the least of you, the most humble of you, 
will be the greatest. In other words, those who serve. Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but I have come to serve. And our, our heart and our mind should be, have the same attitude that we are not here to be served, we are here to serve, okay? The key to your growth, the key to your flourishing is to serve in God's house. No other way around it. The key to flourish and the key to grow is plant yourself in the soil of serving people, serving God in his house, okay? Great churches, this is important, great churches are not built on great individuals or great individual gifting. Great churches are built on many humble servants. Did you get that? Great churches, impactful churches, churches that leave legacy, churches that are great, are not built on great individuals and are not built on great gifting. They are built on many humble servants. And my question for you is this, and it goes back to what we said earlier. If you want to be a part of something great in the kingdom, which we're called to, if you want to be a part of something that leaves legacy, if you want to be a part of something, if you want your life to change others' lives, if you want to be a part of something big in the kingdom, God has designed things so that you have to be a part of something bigger than yourself, i.e. God's house. If you want to do something big in the kingdom, something big with your life, be a part of something bigger than yourself. Be a part of something bigger than yourself. One of the best advice, bits of advice that I was ever given was this, and it wasn't, it wasn't to, to cut me down or to, or to um, uh, say anything or to, to harm me or anything, but it was genuinely, uh, it, they said this, they said that serving is not about you. It's quite blunt, isn't it? Serving is not about you. And sometimes, and I'm, I'm talking in the, the specific life of Eastpoint here, sometimes it can be tempting to only go after stuff that really suits us or to only serve in things that really get our passion going. Can I tell you that the knack and the key to doing church planting well, which is what we're doing, is just to roll up your sleeves and get stuck in. It's just, it's the, that's the secret of success, the church planting. I'll be honest, right? And this is where, I know, like we're changing and God is changing our hearts, right? But on the surface level, how many people feel, Lord, I feel called to stack chairs? Not many people are enthusiastic about it. Lord, I feel called to serve in kids' ministry, even though I don't get on with kids very much. Lord, I feel called to set up on a Saturday night. Most people don't say that. But the key to successful church planting and the key to successful flourishing in the kingdom is just to find your ha- put your hand to whatever's there, to roll up your sleeves, and to get planted in serving. And you know what? As we grow and as we move into the community, which we've talked about, um, um, we are strategizing, we are planning, we are researching how best to do that because God works in process, okay? Because if we take back that word there where the lady said that prophesied over this church that you will be used in, in, not just in the north, but you'll be used in Ireland, you'll be used for many great things. She didn't mean that we'd be planting a church in Cork tomorrow because God's the God of the process. And we will not have every community project going by Monday morning because God is the God of the process. And we grow into that and we plan into that and we eventually develop the capability and we develop the plans and we develop the strategy and the research to fit what is going to work best for this community. But that takes time to do. And so what I'm saying is that as we do that and as we begin to look how we can best touch this community and how we best fulfill the words that God has put over this house, get mucked in for the meantime. There'll be so many more opportunities to serve in so many different ways in the future and soon. But for now, just mock in. Do you know one of the best ways to feel a part of East Point, one of the best ways to feel a part of a community, one of the best ways to feel a part of a church family? Just get stuck in. Just get stuck in. Is there a team maybe you think, do you know what, I could do that. I may not be massively enthusiastic about it, but do you know what, I can do it. I'll put my hand to it. Why? Because serving is not about you. Serving is not about me. True love for people, true love for people is expressed by serving them. True love for God is expressed by serving people. The expression of love for people, our ethos and our culture here, I use that word a lot, our culture here at East Point is presence, people, purpose. And in order to embody the culture of East Point, in order to embody the ethos of what we want to be about, of who we are, the best way you can do that is find somewhere to serve. And I know not everybody can, can do everything, but do anything. Come chat to me. If you want to find a team to serve, I'll be at the back door today. Come chat to me. 
We'll find somewhere for you to slot in, to serve. Put it this way. If Betty and Margaret can do host team, Betty turns 86 tomorrow. And I look at some of the spiritual prowess of our golden oldies, if you like. And I sometimes have thought, Lord, how do you get to that stage in your walk? How do you get to that stage of knowledge of you? Do you know what the secret is? They're planted. And they've been planted for a long time. Be planted in the soil of serving. The key to you flourishing in your life, growing in your faith, and becoming everything that God has called you to be. Get planted, get involved, get committed in the soil of serving. And do you know what? See when you throw yourself into it. And sometimes like, it can, sometimes it is shy, sometimes going into a new team or going into work with different people or volunteering. And you know, sometimes it can be a bit nervy working with new people or maybe talking to people you don't know. Can I just say, just jump in. You might say something silly or have an awkward conversation. Encourage, just jump in. Get involved. Serve. Best way to feel part of church, best way to be a part of community is to serve. Get in a team. If you want to chat to me about it, I'll be at the door after. The next soil that we have to plant ourselves, and the last one, is the soil of community. God has designed the church, God has designed us as believers to move, to operate, to live as family, to do life together. Jesus had a passion, Jesus put great importance on the essence of community. He didn't do his ministry alone. He didn't touch lives alone, but actually he lived, he breathed, he walked with men and women around him. He did his journey. People just think it was the 12, it was more than that. He did his journey with the men and the women around him in his life. And if my Lord and your Lord and my Savior and your Savior couldn't do life without community or chose to do life with community, then I think we should probably do the same. Are you planted in the soil of community. One of the best ways, again, like serving, you can get yourself planted in community and just basically what I mean is just feel part of the East Point family. Just feel a part of things. It's just to throw yourself into it. Just muck in. Get involved. And when you do, you will genuinely feel a part of the East Point family. See, the problem when I am not planted in the soil of community is that I become isolated. When I don't plant myself with other people, with God's people, if I don't commit myself to the people of God's house, I can become isolated. And that just doesn't mean maybe believers who aren't in church enough. And it's not an attendance thing, by the way. Because you see, the key to growing in community is not the time you spend attending church, it's the time you spend investing in church. It's a big difference. In order to grow in community and feel a part of the family, it's not the time you spend attending church. It's a different mindset. It's about the amount of time you invest yourself in church and God's people. But what happens when I'm, when I'm isolated? The enemy gets a foothold. When I'm isolated, the enemy gets a foothold. Isolation is one of the devil's greatest tools. It's a bit like, did you ever see on uh, David Attenborough's nature programs, right? And um, it's, so, it's so difficult, so like emotionally, like it's like a roller coaster watching the whole thing. And you see this wee gazelle, and it's lovely, and it's running with like all the rest of the herd, but then it gets separated. And of course, Big Mufasa from The Lion King comes out, doesn't he? <laughs> right? And you know what's going to happen. And there's been times where even my mom's been screaming to the telly, run, 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 right? And the gazelle's flying, right? But the truth is, and it works this way throughout creation and throughout nature, is that when you do life alone and you get isolated, you become vulnerable. Because when the gazelle is with the herd, it's harder for the enemy to take it down. But when you're planted in the house of God and you're planted with people and you're involved in other people's lives, and I just want to say that doesn't happen overnight either. We grow into that and we enjoy the process of growing into each other's lives and getting to know each other. It just doesn't happen overnight either. But when I plant myself with other people, I am less vulnerable to the plans of the enemy. When I am isolated, it is easier for him to take my life. You see, the enemy's plan for you is not to flourish. The enemy, in fact, he's not even happy that we're talking about this this morning. The plan for your life is to grow. The enemy hates that. The plan for you to grow is to flourish. The enemy hates that. His prize idea 
is to keep you away from the rest of the church, is to keep you isolated. The key to your strength, the key to you flourishing like the palm tree, the key to you being used of royal and godly purposes like the cedar would, is to be planted in the soil of community with the rest of God's people. Some practical steps, really quickly, to be planted in community. How can I be planted? How can I feel a part of church family? I'm going to say this, be proactive. Be proactive. If, if, if you say, I, this is where God has planted me, this is where I want to involve myself, this is where I want to invest my life, this is where I want to invest my emotion, this is where I want to invest my family, this, I want to invest myself in God's house. The key to do that is to be proactive. And I want to say this, when I say get involved, here's a suggestion, Justin, join a life group. Okay? Join a life group. Get involved in a life group. Don't do life alone. We have this saying in church and it's sort of sprung up and it's, it's, it's used quite a bit now. Better together. It's a bit of a thing about this point. We're better together. Don't do life alone. Better together. Other ideas are maybe things like this. Like I said, join a team. Get serving. See the sense of belonging and togetherness and purpose when we join a team in church, whether it's serving, whether it's kids. Maybe you're a life group leader. It's a form of serving as well. Maybe you're in a life group because that is actually a form of serving also because you're serving each other with your life. Just get involved. Join a life group. Join a team. Let's see what else I put. Cafe church tonight. Okay? Cafe church, great opportunity just to come together, to hang out, relax, chat to people, get to know people. Okay? It's a practical step. Get involved. Get the things. Get the corporate worship nights. Just throw yourself into it. And maybe, maybe genuinely your career or your life at the minute, or maybe your family commitments, that maybe it, it, is a, it is a genuine struggle for you to get the life group. Okay? And so if you can't, throw yourself into everything else. Just a practical thing. If, if, if life group is genuinely an issue to get to, that's okay. But throw yourself into everything else. When you're free, throw yourself into corporate worship. Like get, get with God's people. When you're free, get yourself to Catholic Church. If you get involved in serving, it's the quickest and the best way to feel a part of God's family and to be a part of God's community. And when you plant yourself, I promise you, when you plant yourself in the soil of community, when you plant yourself in the soil of serving, when you plant yourself in the soil of intimacy, I promise you will grow. And I promise you will flourish. And if you don't, come and talk to me. But nobody will. Because I know that Psalm 92 says that those who flourish, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted. Planted invested, important word here, committed, heart, soul, mind to God's house. You want to grow, you want to flourish? I'm sure we all do. Get planted. And this is how the process of God works. And with this, we're going to close. Worship team, could you come up for me? Some, I'm going to finish with a couple of statements before we close. And if you're taking notes, I would love you to take these down. And if you like the PowerPoint, I can give it to you some notes we're going to close with. So we know that we need to be planted in the soil of intimacy, the soil of community, and the soil of serving. But, but these are a couple of statements that I want to close with, okay? We are called to grow and to flourish in life and in faith, but the condition is that we are planted and committed to God's house. That's the condition, that's the premise. To be planted is to be fixed where God has planted me, to be planted is to be planted in my mindset and committed in my mind and my heart. And I will grow as tall in my faith and my purpose as my roots go deep into God's house. I will grow as tall and as strong in my purpose as my roots grow deep. Doesn't matter what season of life you're in this morning, what age you are, what your background is, what your story is, how long you've been a Christian for. It's never too late to start planting yourself. It's never too late to make that heart commitment between you and God to say, God, I want my life to be everything that you want it to be. God, I want my life to be an example of worship. I want my life to be, God, poured out before you. God, I want to worship you with my life. I want to flourish. I want to grow. I want to grow in the royal purposes that you have called me to. I want to grow in greatness, God. But God, help me be planted. Help me be committed to his house. And this is, and this, this will finish, this is how the process of God works. Okay? 
So when we say to God, God, I will commit myself to your house. I will commit myself in my heart and my mind. I will be here physically. I will be committed. I will be planted. God, I will commit myself to being planted in the soil of serving and chasing after you, chasing after your presence, chasing after your love. I will be proactive in doing that. God, I will plant myself and I will go beyond my comfort zones and I will go beyond the boundaries of what I am comfortable with and I will plant myself in the soil of serving. God, I will plant myself in the soil of community. I might be shy. I might be nervous. Maybe I've been hurt before by people. But God, I am willing to open my heart and say, yes, I will commit myself to your people. I will plant myself in community and I will be proactive and act on that. It's the key to flourish. It's the key to grow. And this is what happens when we plant ourselves in the right soils and we plant ourselves in one house. God comes. And with the power of his Holy Spirit, so he does, he grows us. And he waters us. And this is like, I'm soaking the front row here. This is like a symbolic, I think, of our house at the minute, where God is just pouring and pouring and pouring that it overflows. But here's the key. And this is what this whole message hinges on this morning. God can only water people who are planted. God can only water. God can only grow. God can only flourish people who are planted. And so in Scripture, we have to assume that the opposite is true. If I am not planted, if I am not committed and rooted and growing in God's house, I can't grow and I can't flourish. But the word for you today from the Scripture, Psalm 92, verses 12 to 14, is that when I plant myself and I commit myself to the soil of serving, community, and intimacy, God's Holy Spirit will teach me, he will grow me, and I will grow into everything that God has called me to be. God will grow, God will flourish people who are planted. East Point, it's up to you. Every individual life in here, it's our responsibility individually. It's your responsibility for your life. Nobody else's, your responsibility. Will you be planted, rooted, committed to God's house? Will we stand and pray? Father, this morning, and we want to say this for all those God who are on holiday at the minute or for those who are ill, but Father, we come before you together as a family. And Lord, we say we want to be planted. God, we want to flourish. God, we want to grow in our lives. God, we want to be impactful with the people who are in our lives. God, we want to make a difference. God, we want to live a life that changes lives. Then Father, will you help us, Holy Spirit, in all sincerity? God, would you help us to be planted and committed in your house? God, will you help us to be patient and to grow in the soil of serving, the soil of intimacy of your presence, God, the soil of community and doing life together. Father, will you help us do that? And maybe you're in here this morning with all heads bowed and all eyes closed and you know in your heart of hearts that you're not getting planted. I'm not going to ask for a response. But see, if you're here and you're saying, God, I want to get planted more. God, I want to go deeper than you. But God, I'm willing to do what it takes to do it. Then just say within your heart, God, help me. God, help me. And I'm praying that as well. God, help me. Help us be planted, God. Lord, I believe your word when you said we're here to touch this nation. That word, God, that says that we are handpicked. And Father, I pray that we would embark on that journey and in that process of becoming everything that you've called us to be. And as I close here, again, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, God was stirring my heart for this. That there's those of you in here and that you have loved ones who are not walking with God, whether they never have been or that they maybe fell away. And this is really specific to me from last night and that your heart has broken for them but for some of you it's gotten to this stage where actually you can't cry anymore tears you can't feel any more brokenness for them and God would say to you don't give up praying 
Don't give up seeking, and this was the word, for the walls that that person, your loved one, has put up around themselves to block up the word and the love of their loved ones are not high enough and they are not wide enough to block out the love of God. The walls that the love, the love, your, of your loved one that they have put up around their heart to keep out the words and the encouragement of their loved ones are not high enough and they are not wide enough to keep out the love of God. And if you're here this morning and you say, Jordan, I have someone I want to pray for. I have someone, I have a loved one who I want to come home to God. I have two cousins who more than anything I want to see come back to God. And if you have someone here and you say, God, I have someone that I want to come back to God and I know that will probably be most people or someone who want, I want them to follow Jesus for the first time. See if that's you. Just as a, as a statement of stepping out and then I'm going to pray. Would you just raise your hand and if maybe you're not comfortable with that, then just raise your heart. I would encourage you, if that's you and so on, Lord, I have somebody on my heart. I have a loved one who I want to come to you. I just want to ask you to respond and just lift your hand. If you're not comfortable, just lift your heart. Okay, let's pray. Father, you see the response in this room. Father, you see the outpouring. Father, you see the brokenness. And Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit that the journey and the process would begin of bringing these people home. Father, I thank you that the walls around them are not high enough, they are not wide enough to keep you out. That God, there would be an invasion of grace into their lives. God, I pray that they would be reminded of stories and, and, and hymns, God, that they were taught when they were younger. That God, we would have a spirit of brokenness for people who need to come home. And Father, we call to them now in the spirit, come home. Come home, come home, come home, come home. God sees the brokenness. God sees the pain. He sees every single inch of it and he is calling out, come home, come home, come home. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the revelation brought to us by the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Father, that we would be planted and serving in intimacy and community. But Father, as we finish today, God, we go out in hope. We go out in expectation that, Father, the loved ones who you have put in our hearts would start coming home. Give us patience, God, in our prayer. Give us patience for their journey, God. That, Father, this house would be known for bringing people home. And in Jesus' name we said... Amen.